Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Rodcast. Today, I'm really pleased to introduce our guest, Hannah Marsh, who is the co-founder of HomeViews, a dedicated review platform for residential developments. And she's also the author of the 2022 National Build to Rent Report. And you guessed it, we're going to be discussing Build to Rent today. So Hannah, welcome. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Rod. So I guess before we kind of get nailed down into some of that Build to Rent Report that you you and the guys at HomeViews have come up with, it would be good to get a bit of of information about your background. I know you are quite successful in marketing and other businesses. And how did you kind of get into home views and property from, from your background? Thank you. Well, yeah, my background's actually quite varied. So after university, I joined GlaxoSmithKline on their pharmaceutical graduate scheme. So I worked in marketing on the launches of various drugs from respiratory, diabetes, cancer, drugs, vaccines. And after seven years of GlaxoSmithKline, I got the startup bug bit me. I joined a friend had started her own luxury skincare business. So I jumped from complete um, B2B marketing straight into, you know, skincare business. But I joined as her marketing director when, you know, she had a brand that you know, was five products and we started around her dining room table with um, a small team. It was really exciting, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, but over sort of five years, we, we grew the business, launched it into Liberties, Space and K's, Selfridges. We were online with Net-A-Porter, really exciting. So, and lots of European and US stores as well. So um, it, it was fantastic. And actually the business then got sold to a big company called the H&H Group, which is sort of like L'Oreal in, in China. And the opportunity then came up to join HomeViews, which was slightly of another jump, gone from pharmaceuticals to skincare to property. But that was because I knew one of the, the co-founders at the time. And they knew that I was exiting my last business and it was just a case of good timing. And I was really excited about the possibilities. And I think from, from myself, without that sort of property background, I always try and look at home views from a resident perspective. You know, I've rented, I've bought and sort of the questions and information that, that I'd that I'd asked. So that was really how I came to be be part of home views. Wow. And I guess I've got a question on your previous business before we get stuck into <laughs> So, So it sounds like you were really successful with the skincare business. And I imagine kind of your work at GlaxoSmithKline probably was making you think over the last couple of years with work on vaccines and what we've seen happen in, in the pandemic. Mm. What, what would you say was the, the hardest thing about scaling and, and sort of well, starting scaling and exiting that, that skincare mm. business? What, what were some of the biggest challenges there? So I think looking back, it was it was really exciting. I think when you come from a big business, mm. some of the wins are sort of expected. And when you're a, a small company, you know, we first got into Vogue, it was so exciting. And there's all these different moments that I look back on with, with such fondness. But scaling is hard because you can't afford to have a big team anticipating mm. something that might might happen that might not happen. So actually, I remember a couple of occasions, one where we got into Space and K, which is a chain of beauty stores yeah. in the UK. And at the time, there were 64 stores. When they take a new brand, they put you in sort of 10 or 15 stores to start with. And after a 
couple of months, I mean, it's been actually six weeks, they said, right, it's going so well, we're going to put you in all 64 stores and we need you to go and train everybody and we need you to be on the shop floor and spend time with customers. And we were like, yeah, no problem. Absolutely, we can do that. And we were a team of five. So two of us, me included, I spent, you know, three months traveling around the UK and doing my day job in the evening whilst we hired a sales team and a training team because you kind of put a smile on and say that we can absolutely do this. Yeah. I mean, it was saying that we got some massive PR and our website sales went crazy overnight and we had to hire in a whole team to pack and ship out orders. And I think I did 30 days straight. I worked every weekend, yeah. 30 days straight overseeing it all. So it's, it was exciting. Um, but I think scaling up from a small business is hard when you can't anticipate some it's, of the opportunities you don't have the luxuries like you say of economies of scale so um, mm. when you've got a big kind of a big bill business with a balance sheet behind you yeah um, but i guess like the benefit of coming from that a large kind of corporate world is maybe taking the best bits of corporate life into small business because we all hear always hear about kind of all the red tape there is in big business and things like that. Mm. But there's also really good positives to come out of it as well. Oh, absolutely. I remember going into Selfridges to pitch and, you know, we pitched like we were GSK because we, we had that training and we presented ourselves in that way. So, you know, you, you want to come across with that complete professionalism and so people are confident in you. And Selfridges took us on and said, you know, can you do a, an event you have an events team we're like yeah yeah we have an events team we didn't have an events team but you know we we ran an event in Selfridges the following month and, yeah. and you do it because you you have that kind of training and confidence from big corporate that you can deliver fantastic so um going into kind of home views we you you recently I think it was well last month now it's first day mm. today um released the 2022 national build to report which was really really interesting to understand we'll put a link for that in the show notes for our, for our listeners how do you see that the build to rent market has changed over the last few years from I guess the renters perspective now because we always hear about this certainly on this podcast from the developer and investors side so how do you think that market's changed from the renters perspective and, and how do you think kind of developers are answering some of those changes i think build to rent it's a really exciting it's a really exciting sector and it's you know everyone talks about it as new but it it's not so new um anymore but it it is new to renters it's still a relatively small amount of units available compared to the wider rental market and i think the brand awareness is still is still very small so people don't really understand the value proposition in the wider in the wider rental market of what does build to rent mean yeah. you know we see fantastic reviews and ratings on home views for build to rent and we'll you know i'm sure we'll talk a bit about that later but out in the market the sort of the general renter there's still very few people that sort of are aware of of what build to rent really means and i think that's something that the industry is still still figuring out how, how they're communicating that. And I think the exciting thing of what's happened in the last five to 10 years is how many more people in the UK are looking to rent and how many more people in the UK are looking for professional, you know, professionally managed developments. You know, there's, you know, there's probably a whole separate conversation to talk about, you know, changes to, to, to sort of government regulations around renting that's yeah. maybe much needed. 
to standardise service and landlords. But Build to Rent is offering that very professional service that actually I think an increasing number of renters are, are looking for. And that's kind of what the government set out to do, isn't it, in, in a world, a lot of it, like you say, not just legislational changes, but tax changes recently mm. that have happened are really, from the government's point of view, to professionalise landlording. Mm. And we're certainly seeing from an investment side a huge amount of institutional money flowing into residential property now and and the UK is is a young market compared to the USA and Europe where if you look at kind of institutional property portfolios residential seen as an alternative property asset but they now make up 48% of of European property Mm -hmm. which is massive so and we're and the UK still far far behind I can't remember what There were some government statistics, I think, from April 21, that there was only 30,000 built-to-rent units being lived in. Uh, well, that's actually closer to... Well, completed um, built-to-rent is now, looking at the... I think it's the BPF Savills data. Yeah. Completed built-to-rent, 70,000 units. Yeah. Um, but in planning and in construction in England, that's just for England, which is where the majority still lies, yeah. Yeah. I think planning and in construction is closer to 195,000 units. So there's, there is more coming... But it's still a small well, part and if, of the And if you think how many rental properties we have in, in the UK, it's about five and a half million. So yeah, it's, Absolutely. It's still, it's still very small. But yeah. it's growing and it's, and it's exciting to see that, that level of service. And I think what we see on home views from a renter's perspective, which is really interesting to read, is that you can read reviews from people that are renters that aren't British. And there's a lot of people there who have an expectation from their home market where they can experience a multifamily living product and a professional landlord. So they've come to the UK to rent and they've they've sought that out. They've been looking for a built to rent product because that's what they expect in renting. Or maybe they've gone to a mum and pop (laughs) experienced something that maybe they weren't used to and suddenly thought, what is this? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And I think that's what we see from a lot of, you know, British renters when they've experienced built to rent for the first time is the number of reviewers that actually just just show this complete delight and surprise about sometimes just the fundamentals that are happening for them. But but actually, I think, you know, Build to Rent does do so much more than that. But where we see on home views for Build to Rent is, is actually where just people are delivering the basics well. And I think to to be highly rated by your residents and to get good scores on home views in your reviews, you actually, people want to be safe. They want security. They want to make sure that if it's something broken, it gets fixed, that, that there's actually somebody there who will look after them. All the bells and whistles in terms of facilities, events, community. Yes, they love it. They're delighted. They're surprised. They're amazed by everything that can be offered by Build to Rent. But it's really those fundamentals, which yeah. is a shift for a lot of people from what they've experienced and, before. And I guess like the reason for that is because in the UK, most of our housing stock is just so old and it's incredibly difficult to repurpose a lot of I don't know a Victorian building for example mm. to knock it down then we've got I don't know archaic planning laws compared to a lot of other markets and and that's often the reason cited why the UK's kind of purpose-built rent to stock yeah. which is essentially what built to rent is it's called I don't know multi-family in the US and yeah. various other things wherever you are but essentially, that seems to be why it such, makes such a it's such a small proportion. And when you've got new stock, it's a lot easier 
to deliver a quality product because everything kind of what well, you'd hope is, is, is working. But the other point is around the management. If, like you said, if, when things get broken, how quickly does it get fixed? Mm. And that's really a, a problem for smaller landlords in having that economies of scale, maybe having their own maintenance teams and things yeah. like that. And, and I do think that's a, a big issue at the moment. You said some really good points there on, on what renters wanted in, in terms of kind of safe. They want to feel safe. They want mm. those fundamentals. On the report, what 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 tended to be those highest priorities for renters for for built to rent stock that they were looking at? Well, I think it's, it, you can ask people what they were looking for and then you can look at reviews and ratings to see what they're, what yeah. they've rated and actually what they've referenced. And when we looked at facilities, for example, which is often what most of the marketing leads with for built to rent, it's, you know, we have a gym, we do all these, yeah. you know, you've got speedy ball bands and you've got all these that we've got a cinema room and that and there are of course that appeals to to anyone you know and lots of people do talk about the gym it's very much mentioned within reviews but when we look at the in the report we look at the sort of the top 10 rated developments and what facilities they actually offer and compare that to some of the bottom rated built to rent so looking all within new build and actually what some of the things that come across that are valued are pet friendly communal events and communal areas that residents can use and and how they use that space and we see that actually replicated through design scores and design comments is actually people how they how they use space is actually how the management team will encourage people to use that space by bringing people together do you think that's kind of that's been supercharged due to covid and people kind of spending a lot of time away from each other or was that was that always the case? Well, we saw, um, so we on Home Views, just to explain to anyone listening, is we ask everybody to rate the facilities, the design, the location, the value and the management um, of their building. And we do that for, for build to sell and as well as build to rent. So we ask owners to do that. We ask um, local authority, housing association tenants. We ask, we ask all residents on, on Home View. So it gives us the ability to sort of compare and, and contrast. So w- within within home views and and looking on site you can actually see those scores remain high through covid for built to rent and it's actually one of the most sort of stable parts of the sector for us on on home views was built built to rent maintained very high scores facilities did take a dip which is not to be unexpected because a lot of those facilities were closed what we actually saw which I, i found really interesting when we were looking at a lot of the data and a lot of the kind of qualitative reviews was this uh, this thing around perception of free and and I found that really interesting that a lot of reviews um, would reference and talk about the free gym yeah. the, the free Wi-Fi coffee the free events the free wi-fi not sort of realizing it's built into your rent this you are paying for it but they feel like it's a, a free service or something that they're getting as as a bonus and it adds to that sense of delight which I referred to earlier I think where built rent potentially got it wrong in some instances during COVID was when facilities were shut people who felt they were actually paying for those facilities as part of their rent then felt a level of dissatisfaction and if they weren't given a rent decrease so that wasn't across the board that was we we didn't see that coming through in the reviews consistently and some built rent operators did give a discount um, to renters when facilities were shut but that is probably where we saw the biggest dip 
was around facilities and around people's expectations around facilities. And, and how much, I mean, would you say looking at that report is, um, is prioritised through, say, the design and the actual property itself versus the quality of management? Well, I think the, the best way to look at it is to compare build to rent to build to sell. You, you referred earlier to renters have come from sort of old Victorian houses that are falling apart. What we actually do on HomeViews is look at all new build developments. And in the report, we compare the ratings of tenants living within a build to rent development and tenants who are private tenants living within a build to sell development. So someone who is both getting the benefit of a beautifully new design, you know, new building that's got lots of facilities and landscape gardens and you know so there's a like for like comparison there in terms of the stock that they're living in but what we see consistently and across all scores is that built to rent residents are rating their experience higher than tenants within a built to sell development it's still a very positive story for new build development certainly doesn't replicate some of the stories that you see in the daily mail it's an overall positive story (laughs) absolutely but it is there is a you know build to rent has much higher rated experience where we see the biggest difference is management and and that's that's the biggest gap is the is the management experience that build to rent have and that does come down to i think a really seamless experience that renters get right from the first moment of inquiry to their contract to their moving in and i and what really came across especially during the last couple of years is the sense of being cared for and looked after by the management team on site and i think we put in the report something like this We've referred to security, but in sort of the top 10 developments by management, 24% of reviews actually talked about a sense of feeling safe and safety. And that was really directly referred to the 24-hour concierge, the management team, feeling looked after. But also, I think it was over 35% of reviews talked and referred to cleanliness, uh, how clean and tidy my development is, which I think links back to a sense of safety. So management, absolutely is the differentiator for, for build to rent you've obviously got to get you know people want a nice building that's not that's designed well and it's not falling apart yeah. i'm not detracting from that but when you compare like for like for build to rent versus build to sell management is what's making the difference and i'm not sure if you would have this information because it's still such a kind of a young market but it would be interesting to see the length of tenancy or the length that the length that people actually stay in a place before moving on Mm. Um, because as developers and investors we want people to stay the longer they stay the better it is is for us is is there any kind of data that shows any one thing or any any particular things that developers can do to help encourage or help maintain kind of tenancy duration i guess i think yeah in terms of relating to any stats or numbers, I know the UKA built up quite a lot of information during lockdown. And, and actually from a, an investment piece, and you referred to earlier about the, the growth of built to rent, to rent and the investment in that is because actually, I think rents were maintained and occupancy was maintained so highly within built to rent compared to any other sector. But what we see on home views about, if you look at the reviews where people consistently talk about how long they've been there, why they stayed is about is about community, and and I think it, any of us sort of take our day job hats off from a property point of view and sort of step back and think about why someone might stay in their street or their home or their area. 
is because you've built up friends and community and people mm-hmm. will stay for a longer period of time because they have a network and they have, are more emotionally attached to, to that location. And I think Build to Rent is very good at building communities. And, and, and that actually does, we, you know, we see it in, yeah. in so many reviews about how people have made friends in their community and want to stay. I guess it's a bit like when kind of COVID struck, everyone said, oh, I live in London. Everyone's going to move out of London because we don't need to work in London now. And everyone kind of forgot that you don't necessarily live somewhere for work. It's not all about work. It's about, I don't know, being able to walk to the shops, being able to uh, see your friends and family. And actually, it never really materialised that this huge exodus from city centres was happening. And actually now it's kind of, it's obviously reversed, uh, especially in certain Mm cities like London and Edinburgh where you have you had a lot of short stay kind of tourism uh, hospitality businesses that have now come back and were repurposed into long-term housing and now absolutely I think some of the loveliest things that I actually saw during lockdown was you know when everyone was coming out to do their NHS clap in the evening once a week you know seeing that and I think I saw it when I was one of East Village and the noise of everyone coming out on their balconies and everyone clapping for the NHS and being part of actually sort of people started to really get to know their neighbours and speak yeah. to each other. The resident apps that most of these developments offer. Hello, everyone. I, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to talk to you quickly about a sponsor of ours called Signature Property Finance. They are a bridging loan provider based in Solihull, Birmingham. The company also has regional offices in Cardiff and Edinburgh, which enable them to serve clients across the whole of England, Wales and Scotland. They were established in 2012 and Signature have two primary funding lines, private equity and a traditional debt facility via a high street bank. So what is it they fund and how can they help you? Well, Signature will lend against both residential and commercial property on a standard bridge, with a maximum loan to value of 70% and 60% respectively for a term of between six and 18 months. They offer both a light and heavy refurbishment product, again for a term of up to 18 months. Light refurbishment amounts to anything non-structural in nature, whereas anything involving structural changes requires a heavy refurbishment product. They will lend up to 75% of the lower of the purchase price or day one open market value. Signature also lend development finance up to a maximum loan of 5 million and for up to 15 units. The loan terms are up to 24 months and cover residential or mixed use developments and they will lend up to the lower of 65% of the GDV or 80% of total costs. So why would you use them? Well in in the words of CEO Tony Gilbertson, Signature do what they say they're going to do. Provided The information given by the customer and or the broker on day one is accurate. The terms issued on day one will be the same terms that the customer draws down on. So if you've got any property finance requirements, please contact Tony Gilbertson at Tony, T-O-N-Y, at signaturepropertyfinance.co.uk. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. And for a limited time only, they are doing a special offer for all Rodcast listeners. If you look to get finance with them and mention the Rodcast, you will get free legals for a limited time only. Yes, that's right. That's free legals for a limited time only. Just mention the Rodcast. 
They really are a fantastic company that do what they say they're going to do and act quickly. Back to the show. So for, I guess, from a developer's point of view, are there any big differences from what renters are looking for um, in terms of suburban locations versus city locations? So what is it, what are some of the things that developers might want to ensure they include for a suburban location that they might not think about for a city centre location and vice versa? So I think suburban built-to-rent is still quite in its infancy there are sites don't get me wrong but there's not a huge amount of data but we did start collecting ratings from suburban sites last year and we've compared those in the reports so looking at urban schemes versus suburban urban developments are much more highly rated um, by residents than suburban developments our sample set's still quite small so I'm, I'm you know I think it it's not something that to go into a huge amount of detail on and that will grow as we get more more data insights from residents but I think looking at the people that are renting in those schemes there's an expectation that it's going to be more family based but that doesn't mean that they don't necessarily want the same services and amenities that anyone in an urban location is going to want and actually when you look at the ratings and to be clear the ratings are still really high for suburban locations they're still higher than build to sell um, tenant experience but just in the context of within build to rent what you actually see in the reviews and and comments from residents in suburban locations is is often a reference to less amenities immediately near them. So there might not be actually a small supermarket nearby or um, things haven't been sort of yet built or provided, which has been the same with a lot of build to sell new schemes when the development's gone up, but the local amenities haven't quite followed. But also I think there there are slightly lower management scores because there is a less visible and less present management because a lot of these developments that are more suburban are housing um, and you're not kind of leaving out the front door every morning and seeing your management team in the same way that you do in an apartment building where you can um, you know sort of check in follow something up or request something so yeah I I think and what a residents want it's it's still the same services that you might expect and I think within build to rent even in an urban location there's an increasing number of families that are living in those schemes so I don't think it's as simple as to say suburbia is for families and urban it's not sort of that cut and dry but very high rating still for suburban built to rent and with built to rent so highly rated by residents on on home views what would you say that built to rent developers are getting right in terms of their own product at the moment well the buildings in themselves are in the main fantastic what we look at if you were just looking at end product and and building is we looked at those high scoring developments whether or not they were purpose-built built to rent if they were prs converted stock or actually some office to resi um, conversions and actually we've seen a mix so Mm. when it comes down to design and product it's very possible to deliver exceptionally high rated built to rent developments for the fantastic resident experience in an office to resi converted building it doesn't have to necessarily be a glossy build to rent and I think it what comes down to is about using the spaces and how they're used by that management team so it's about the events and creating your community and, and how you do that and if you have a communal space 
bringing people together. But also when it comes to you know, actual services and things that they're getting right in the end product, it's back of house and tech to sort of run that site. It's apps, it's reporting of maintenance issues. People talk, you know, constantly residents talk about how easy it is to log an issue and how it gets fixed straight away. It's parcel solutions. I mean, the number of people, I mean, I get asked, you know, what facility should we be putting in a development do we need to, you know, put in a swimming pool? I'm like, no, make sure you've got parcel lockers. <laughs> parcel lockers, it's all about parcel solutions. So, you know, if you have lived in a Victorian terrace, you know that if you're out at work all day, you're not going to get your parcel. The biggest sense of delight we get is people getting their, you know, my, nobody's stolen my post. My post has been collected for me. Someone's actually delivered it, it into my flat for me. So it, it's thinking about how you make residents' lives easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, I guess it comes back to, making sure that you get the right management in once you've done yeah. once you've designed that space that allows for the community kind of feel and those things to happen it's ensuring that the management is on top of it all with the with the latest tech and app and apps and, and actually services that people want to see which yeah. is which is sort of a whole a whole different kind of conversation in itself i guess isn't it yeah absolutely so, so i guess then the flip question to that is what are some of the mistakes that you see developers making i think you know build to rent still is at a premium and there's that comes with an expectation on the premium product and, and look and feel so renters you know there are there is a, por- a portion of renters who are students but in the main they are sort of young professionals we looked at the age demographic of people writing reviews on home views within built to rent it was sort of 70 percent well sort of closer to sort of 80 percent were under 35 but the majority were in their sort of 20s and but they still want a sense of premium in in the product and the fittings and they want things to feel quality and it, it to look i guess instagrammable is probably the way to put it but there is an expectation is in terms of the product that looks good in terms of like services and facilities, we definitely see comments, a lot of comments about parking and that either it's really expensive or there's not enough parking that does come up. Another one that comes up in the mistakes is around flexibility of things like broadband. So often there might be a supplier that doesn't give a flexibility of package and people feel that they're tied to a certain package and they might want yeah. to increase or change. Storage or lack of storage does come up. But I think, you know, when we look at sizes of developments in the facilities, it's as long as if you're offering a facility, make sure it's well managed and that, they can, that the building staff is able to keep on top of the services that are being provided. Mm. But I think, yeah, it does come back down to that people want want it to feel good, look good and, and it to work. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree about the Instagrammable thing. As silly <laughs> as it kind of sounds, I, th- I think it's, it's it's a really good kind of measure, I guess. Um, well, it's an aspirational yeah. living that's being yeah. sold. So there is that expir- expectation. You know, the way Build to Rent is being marketed is in a very sort of aspirational lifestyle and homes and people are paying that premium. So there is an expectation mm. that the end product will have a feeling with premium and that, you know, they've gone beyond student halls here. So they're, 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 there's an expectation in, in the quality of the furnishing and the, in the quality of, of fixtures and fittings. They don't expect things to work. And do you find there's a difference in the top rated? Is there a kind of, are the majority of top rated developments, are they large developments or are there any kind of smaller ones? And is, is, there, a, is there a difference in how renters kind of feel about a smaller development versus a bigger one? Yeah, and that, I was thinking about sort of any of my sort of 
top interesting facts for built to rent. And I think that actually does come down to development size because there's an expectation that as your portfolio grows as an operator, it's going to be harder to maintain service and high standards. And we do see that. So um, operators with a portfolio over 2000 units do on average score a bit lower um, on their management scores than, than a sort of operator with a smaller portfolio. However, what's quite interesting is the building size. If we look at the top rated developments and if we look at, on average, the ratings for a, a building that's over 350 units versus a building that's under 350 units, um, the ones over 350 units were on average getting higher, higher ratings. I was talking to a few people in the industry recently about, about why this is. And I, I, I think when we look at the reviews and look at the data, often those buildings that are slightly larger do offer more facilities offer more services because actually there's an economy of scale um, that the operator can provide in both physical amenities but actually in in offering particular services back end team for example precisely precisely so i think you know those over 350 um units um on average are performing better it's obviously not to say that small, smaller developments don't, because there are definitely a, a few of those in our top tens, but, but there is an economy of scale that actually a lot of developments are able to offer that's obviously resonating with residents. Fantastic. Um, how do you then see Build to Rent increasing its market share in, in, in terms of the PRS over the next few years, judging by the fact that you said, I think it was 127 127- thousand units in development or something like that which well yeah so it's a hundred hundred and ninety five thousand is with for england is in construction in planning and um, considering the the time it takes from planning to actually finish product on average i think is around seven years sometimes Um, well i think what's interesting though is that's speeding up because if you look at molia i think their last their latest quarterly update said that actually a third which i think is fascinating a third of all new builds in London was converted or sold to build to rent operators. Mm. So a lot of stock is being acquired rather than just right. being planned yeah. and built. Yeah. Yeah. So there's well, a huge amount that's being converted. Well, you're finding that they're forward funding developments, aren't they? Mm. So they, once the developer's got the planning, but for the dev- what I'm talking about is the whole lifespan of that kind yeah. of site to get the land, to then get the planning, to then start kind of spades in the ground that takes well, of course of course but yeah. but yeah i think that's yeah. i mean build to rent operators are now buying up stock that was never intended yes. to build yeah. to rent and you know which is obviously speeding up mm. you know i think it's interesting there's you know john lewis different players and people talking about coming to to, to this sector now and as we talked earlier about the performance of build to rent during covid it it's a steady you know highly performing well, part of the market I mean, um, and i think investment's only going to grow yeah it's 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 seen as fixed income and yeah. where investors kind of have traditionally invested in fixed income they're now thinking right what else what are the other things that mimic it and when you buy a thousand units at a time that mimics yeah. it yeah um, buying 10 units doesn't <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely that's that's why it's it's flowing in so but i think you know you speak to some um some operators and and they they they're very kind of considered about their their portfolio and they want to make sure that it is sort of purpose built to rent built and it's got the services and the facilities that they want 
to sort of manage that kind of events and community team and they want the, the parcel room already built so there are going to be some that are going to grow in a much more considered approach but you know we we see it with lots of acquisitions happening in in the market at the moment and by, buying in portfolios so I, I, it's 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 going to it's growing you know the rate that that grows out I'm, I'm not the expert to ask but it's that the appetite is is there from prospective residents you know the occupancy rates are incredibly high at all these developments so you know Manchester is this huge hub for built to rent at the moment as a sort of a standalone regional city but the growth in in built to rent is you know there's more being built outside London than inside London at the moment for for built to rent and there's an appetite still in the regions for for this so and i guess that kind of comes down to the fact that you've got available land really much to well, yeah absolutely but i'm also talking about urban locations so yeah. actually in the city center and you know, manchester is highly performing on for built to rent i mean our our number our top we have a top 10 list for each city on home views which is all you know moves as reviews come in and it is hotly contested um by by the uh the, the companies that um that operate in the regional cities they want to be the number one rated okay. development by residents and the scores are just phenomenally high because residents love love these developments and but they're you know i think that's a challenge and and a risk for for built to rent because you know they one of the things that built to rent offers is this you know short flexible tenancies and when you've got a lot of different built to rent operators side by side it's very easy for a tenant to go well i'm not happy with that proposed rent increase or with you know the fact that you're not going to offer this anymore so here's my notice and i'm going to go to the the building next door and, and that is starting to happen so that's, that's definitely a big risk that's what we've seen in the in the hmo market in shared housing where you've almost got this race to the top is the biggest problem because you get i don't know you create this eight bedroom shared housing scheme and it looks fantastic it's got i don't know feature walls and what have you and all these great kind of amenities that you can have in a, in a shared house and you've got transient tenants mm. the tenant then decides to move and while they might have been happy with a i don't know a scuff on their wall mm. suddenly now you've got to remarket this property and it's competing with the new one that's just been renovated down the road and actually yeah. that's you're not you're not competing anymore so now you've got more capital expense to put in to bring that up to standard yeah and it's, um it's an awful lot of money that's got to got to keep going in to keep that standard so high it's very I much think, yeah I, I agree with that i think we're still a little way from it if you you know we go back to those numbers and how yeah. small bill to rent is still there's still you know the the pool of perspective residents you know those that are living within you know the victorian terrace is still yeah. really high there's yeah. and that's why occupancy, occupancy rates are going to remain high but there is competition you're right yeah. and i think what's what's going to come down to the differences when you've got two brand new developments side by side both offering all the bells and whistles community is going to be what it comes down to because people want to in its trust and brand recognition I, I trust my landlord they you know they give me a good service why would I want to move and go to the next door building when I'm happy here I've got friends in the building I enjoy the social aspects so you know ultimately yes you can tantalize people with rent reductions and and that's always going to play a part but if you want to stay away from just looking at you know 
at the numbers from a rent perspective it, it is going to come down to those those you know more emotion you know emotive reasons of feeling part of a community and feeling cared for and you mentioned earlier kind of about the the majority of reviews are from people under 35 mm. is that just the fact that they're reviewing or are you finding that the majority of, of renters in built to rent are a particular demographic and is there one demographic maybe i don't know an aging population that's growing so the build um, the bpf did a, a really great report on this last year which i'll send you the link so you can share with yeah, um, with the listeners um which talks they did a big um survey looking at resident ages and in built to rent and looking at demographics so there's there's a lot of data there which i sort of wrote a test to we we collect from that question from our reviewers and we we do see all ages so there are people who are up to their 65 plus who are writing reviews and and living within build to rent there, there's definitely the downsizers moving into build to rent yep. but it, it's still predominantly people in their sort of 20s and early 30s and that's what the, the data shows so i think suburban may well have a site to have a slightly older rental market but um, and, you know, there's probably quite not quite enough information in data there yet to do that um, comparison. And then you kind of touched on risks for kind of built to rent. What would you say would be the biggest risk then for the future to the built to rent market? And what, and what maybe can built to rent investors and developers do to mitigate that? Well, I think you know, we, we obviously talked a little bit about competition, mm. but I think that's still that's still going to be very localised <coughs> building to building next door versus at the moment the opportunity in the market is really open to them so it's going to come down to not listening to residents you know then making sure that they are clearly articulating their value proposition a very interesting report came out from a company called hearsay which is part of say consultancy they did mystery shopping last year across build to rent and they they had 68 mystery shoppers went out i think across about 22 developments and what was sort of amazing was how, in so many instances, the value proposition of build to rent wasn't being clearly articulated. And, and also, I think it was 50, 50% of those people that went on mystery shopping visits weren't followed up within the first week. Oh, like wow. some just real fundamentals, which yeah, is yeah. just amazing reading this report. It's, really, it's a really interesting um, report to read. But I think that it comes back to really kind of knuckling down on what build to rent means to residents mm. and being able to articulate that and it's not so much a risk but it's we need to I think as a sector which has um, kind of come together and do that consistently because with all these new brands now entering the market for build to rent if everyone's sort of using that message in a different way then it's actually just going to sort of slightly limit the opportunity to really promote build to rent and and that's why that's why we have actually so many companies signing up and using home views and using our reviews and using the data in their marketing because it's perfectly (laughs) well yeah it's the learning and listening to residents but it's also there's nothing better and nothing more impactful from a marketing point of view than to be able to tell the story of what it lives what it's like to live in our development through the voice of a resident so for to read a review and to hear from people what it actually means to live and build to rent. And I actually sometimes find it quite emotional reading some of the reviews because some people are so passionate about how happy they are. Ultimately, we're providing homes in property and to read the reviews of how happy people have been made to feel living in their development, how they feel safe, that's the opportunity. And I think there's just the risk there that 
build to rent is not clearly articulating that and not doing it in a kind of cohesive way. So, so if that's the case, then do you have any specific kind of marketing tips for build to rent kind of developers and investors then that, that, that maybe they should be considering when, when, when going into build to rent schemes? Yeah, well, I think a, a lot of um, built to operators and brands are doing it really well. I mean, they've all got fantastic occupancy rates, so they're doing something right. But they are what they're doing well is that they are telling a story and and sort of setting that aspirational lifestyle of what it's like to be part of. I think some of my recommendations would be to think about some of the basics and as well, like sometimes the marketing gets a little bit too glossy in the facilities and everything that's on offer and there's a part of that you need to grab people's attention but I think it's it's much more emotive a decision on on where to live and hearing selling the lifestyle rather than the property kind of thing absolutely and a lot of a lot of operators are very you know a lot of brands are very good at doing this already but it it is it's about selling that you the service and some of the basics that you're going to get looked after in the events and the community and um, sort of bring bringing it to life a little bit about what it's like to live in in the building and you know know, not plugging home views but that is why our reviews get used by by partners because it provides a rating and a benchmark people read reviews and you know, everyone knows from any other part of your life, you know, if you're looking to buy a new car or you're going on holiday, you read reviews. We all read reviews to make decisions and where you're going to rent is your biggest outcome, you know, outgoing every month is your rent. So being able to see what your average review score is, be able to read reviews from residents that are already living in your development. It, it's all about giving people that kind of sort of sense of, um, security and reassurance which is still a, a, a big part sometimes that people miss in in their communication and marketing definitely and so you you mentioned kind of a, a couple of uh, interesting facts before have you got are there any other specific interesting facts you've got on the uk built to rent market oh the- gosh I'm on the stop now. I, I honestly do think it's it, it's really interesting looking at the sizes of the developments because actually those developments that are over 350 units are still are still managing to deliver a consistency of service for residents and we're seeing that that in our in our ratings and i think build to rent is um i think it's really interesting for us to see actually the the range of um pricing and developments that we see on home views that are scoring really well so if you look in our report i think some of the interesting things that i found is that within our top tens you will see developments in canary wharf like vertus um eight water street or ten george street which are you know premium yeah top living and then Very and then you difference. yeah and then you will see sitting right next to it in our top tens from a resident perspective um you'll see much more sort of affordable flexible very few facilities propositions and you know we've got on home views with high scores you know simple homes which are housing developments for build to rent and renting so um you know i think it's not we all sometimes think of built to rent as this sort of glossy product. Yeah, a premium um, product, I guess, don't we? But but there's different markets for that, and there's I guess absolutely, which, and, yeah. which is why it comes back to my sort of earlier points about it's getting some of those fundamentals right and communicating them. And I think sometimes everyone thinks that you've got to sort of just shout about the the glossy things, but we all we all have sort of the, the basic needs of wanting to feel safe, secure, looked after, and well managed, and you know, it's how you communicate 
that to the perspective of residents but that for a lot of people that's you know that's what they're looking for absolutely that's been that's been really really interesting Hannah. thanks so much for, for coming <laughs> on i'm going to ask you one last question that we ask to everyone on the show and, and throughout your time kind of in business whether it's been at GSK or with your skincare brand or now in home views what, what would you say the kindest thing someone has done for you in businesses gosh that's a tricky question you know I was thinking about this and for me it's been time and I know that probably sounds a bit cheesy and it's probably a bit of an easy a cop-out on the question but I've over, throughout my career I've been given so much time by people to give me advice to listen to bounce ideas around with me and and some of them have been when I was fairly junior and starting out my career incredibly senior and and I and I try to do that as much as possible as I progress in my career because it, it is the kindest and most valuable thing that someone can can do is is give you your time give you your honest opinion and I think for us we've had some really amazing champions for home views um, that invested in us early partnered with us early gave us the time took took the risk with us when we were starting out so busy living anthology fair view you know, it all kind of said you know what we we believe in this and, yeah. and i think it is it's kindness is is time and sort of believing in you brilliant um, so that's how i'd answer that one great answer so thanks again we'll put um the link for that uh BPF report, but also obviously the Home Views report and the Home Views website. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Hannah, what would be what would be the best best way to contact you? Um, just yeah, happy email me at Hannah at homeviews.com. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Hannah. That's great. Thank, Thank you, Rod. You.